Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach, and Adam, how are you on this beautiful, beautiful evening? (laughs) I am good. Uh, I am uh, still sort of basking in the glow of the news of Entertainment Weekly of Jonathan Hickman. Oh, yeah, 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 wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, the big Marvel exit, uh, Chip Zdarsky uh, being done with Daredevil, um, but not really <laughs> being done with Daredevil. He's not really done with Daredevil. Um, yes, there seems to be the Substack uh, exodus for some and it's for others. It's not a, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. Okay, okay, hold on, listen, because we're going to address this here and now because I am sick and tired of people hearing it. There are... There's plenty of stuff about sub, sub there's plenty of stuff about Substack and the people that they have previously given deals to that can and should be criticized. I absolutely and 100% support anyone who wants to criticize that because it's valid criticism. Oh yeah. On the very very specific angle of Substack and comics creators, there are two things that people need to keep in mind. One. One. As of recording, the only person to say, yeah, I've quit some comics because of the Substack deal has been James Tinney in the fourth, who also has two incredibly well-selling, like bonkers well-selling comics that he owns, mm-hmm. that are creator-owned, mm-hmm. that he's running with regardless, and he's still doing... Uh, multiple books with DC. He just said, "Hey, Batman's a little much for me." By the way, James Tinney in the fourth has been writing Batman for darn near ten years straight now. <laughs> so even though I like his current run on The Dark Knight, uh, I get it if he's like, I, if one thing has I to drop, it's Batman. <laughs> Dude's written several Batsmans. Second thing, number two, number two, as of recording tonight. Substack has not published a single comic, um, so I'm, I'm less. <laughs> we have to get there first. So I am I am somehow not worried about all of these people leaving their current day job, even for great contracts, where they have not produced a single a- any thing. Any content, right? No, I I hear you, and I I believe that we are in good hands with the x office and i'm sure we will see hickman again i am not worried about that um oh yeah we said we weren't gonna talk that was a joke about the zadarsky thing (laughs) hickman also announced that he is no longer doing monthly x-men comics uh today and is stepping away uh for some time from the line which is fine because he said he hasn't been doing it for a while (laughs) yeah yeah he's not put out a lot of x-men comics and now he's just formalizing it folks yep um, now, Zach, we have some unfinished business that we have to attend to because, um, as we noted on social media, we hecked up uh, a couple episodes ago. We did, we did, and we would have resolved this sooner, uh, but we had the uh, earth-shattering interview with Leah Williams uh, that had to go in before then. Uh, That's right. So, 
This whole episode, just to, just to take it back to the bit at the beginning before we got distracted by stacks of subs, uh, <laughs> is actually a Daredevil adjacent issue episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, on our last episode, uh, last regular episode, we ranked Uncanny X-Men 201 Duel, um, and we had already ranked it. Um, yes. I had forgotten because I have a bad memory and Adam forgot because he wasn't on that episode. <laughs> right. So uh, Uncanny X-Men 201 <laughs> uh, Duel had already been ranked at 28. Now, when you and I talked about it, we plucked it in, plunked it in here at 46. So um, interesting difference there and shows how arbitrary and uh, subjective some of these rankings can be but we are going to stick with it was 17 spots i feel like we did pretty good yeah 17 like spots it's... is a pretty decent margin it's not crazy but we are going to delete the the, the 46 ranking correct we are we are uh we are we are not going to have that 46 ranking and instead we are going to re what is it replace it with a alternate story uh from that list yeah by the way 17 percent on our list we got within three percent of our original ranking that's pretty good i feel like we did pretty good (laughs) like if we would have if we would have thought any more we would have realized two weeks ago that we hecked up instead of uh after the episode was edited and uh posted uh but no we are going to cover a story that was an alternate for that episode and didn't make it, but is still a good one. That is Uncanny X-Men 204. And we will get to the real, or the the bulk of this episode later, the Daredevil-y parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is What Happened to Nightcrawler, written by Chris Claremont, uh, pencils by June Bringman, with inks by Wills Portacio, and colors by Glennis Oliver. Uh, Tommy yours, Tom Marzakowski, he does those letters, baby. Yeah. He's so good. And um, this is an interesting one because uh, we we did not see Nightcrawler um, in some of the other issues around this with the Secret Wars um, stuff. And th- this issue is still sort of a Secret Wars, uh, at least adjacent, because Nightcrawler is having this crisis of faith because the Beyonder is so godlike. And, you know, he's like, well, what does this mean for me and my religion and blah, 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 blah. That part, I, I, it's not really all that interesting. What is interesting is that Nightcrawler um, being mopey and sending Amanda Sefton on her way um, manages to get involved rescuing a stranger from Arcade. So we have hey, a Nightcrawler know, do you know versus... How he gets, how, how he gets uh, involved in this? How does, I Adam, absolutely do you... love the, this detail. So, Zach, tell him how he realizes... That someone has been abducted by <laughs> by Arcade. Uh, he hears Arcade's plunk, uh, <laughs> kind of trash can, trash machine noise. Yeah, spliff. What is it? Uh, slang. Slang. It's, it's flang. Excuse me. He hears <laughs> that telltale slang, and then he's like, "That must be Arcade's slang." <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, now, the person who has been abducted here is an anonymous uh, woman who just was out exercising. Um, we learn at the end of this issue that uh, she's actually royalty. Um, bit of a reveal at the end. 
She is Judith Rassendil, last of the Elfberg's Queen of Ruritania. Um, this, but this Nightcrawler... is a reference to some <laughs> fantasy book that Chris Claremont liked, to be clear. Not shocking. Yeah. So, um, this, especially with June Brigman's artwork here, it feels a lot like a classic X-Men backup story, doesn't it? Yeah, it super does. And I like Brigman's artwork here. I think Brigman does a great job. It oh, just it's isn't, fantastic. It's not Jazzy John Romita Jr. Yeah, it really feels like a break. Um, and it does kind of, except in some spaces where you, places where you can really see Will Sportaccio kind of like doing his thing over top of the pencils. Um, it actually feels like a John Bolton-esque, you know, kind of story that you might see at the back of a, of a classic X-Men story. That is to say not much actually happens here, right? No, not much. Uh, it's a brief story. Uh, it's fun. It's not the best nightcrawler has adventure stories, but it's like still, still good. Oh yeah. It's a fun little nightcrawler story. Um, I, I think it gives some, uh, some fun little arcade moments here, which I like. Um, and kind of gives this idea of like what murder world could be like this idea of it's actually kind of a precursor to what we see spiral do with the body shop like they're tempting uh this uh, um abductee with like you know potential ways that the murder world could make you look and things like that but overall it's night it's kurt he rescues the uh the woman and we learn who she is um, fun fact, it's the same princess. I didn't realize this until I read this and looked her up on, on the wiki, but it's the same princess who gets married in Mojo Mayhem, um, which I had never made that connection before. So that that's about it. It's it's fun, it's slight, but uh, it's a good good time for Nightcrawler. I certainly don't think it's as good as the uh, dual issue that um, we just took the duplicate out. So why don't we rank this on our big old list? Yeah, we do have a big old list. Uh, right now, we should have... This This is 539 stories on the list. That is not divisible by three because of our heck up. Though by the end of this episode, we will be back to being divisible by three. Uh, number one story on our list is Hoxpox. Uh, the hundredth story on our list is X-Force, Volume 3, 1 through 6, Angels and Demons. Uh, number 200 on our list is Power Pack 20. Uh, number 300 on our list is Marvel Fanfare 1 through 4, The Savage Land Story. Uh, number 400 on our list is The Muir Island Saga. Uh, number 500 on our list is Excalibur 1 through 4, Forging the Sword. That is Excalibur Volume 3, by the way. That's the Chris Claremont Excalibur from the mid 2000s. Oof. You know, after M Day. Real bad. Um, <laughs> and then the Draco's at the bottom of the list. Um, where's that one arcade story what arcade stories do we have on this because we have a couple well i think we have his original appearance pretty high and then uh lower on the list we have his encounter with uh shatterstar and uh adam x the extreme right um okay where's that one where's where's that one at because that's uh that's hold on x-force 29 and 30 Let's find that. Okay, that's it. That's it. Three seventy-five. 
this is probably better than that time that Adam X the Extreme is back and things have never been deadlier. Yeah, I would agree. I um, think we're probably closer to maybe something like God's Country at 286. Oh, that's like a good comparison. Yeah. Um, it's a fun little solo album. probably better than God's Country, right? Yeah, I would this agree. probably better than that. Yeah. Okay, but 272 is X-Men Black Mojo, number mm-hmm. one. And I think I like that better than this. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. That That's a really nice character uh, portrait and gives Glob here's, something to here's do, the too. Thing. There's, there's better Nightcrawler stories and there's better arcade stories. Yeah, absolutely. This one's just in the middle of a you know a time everybody remembers and i think got printed in some things yeah. like early reprints. but i do think it's um probably well i don't know if it's better than uncanny x-men 300 at 273 you don't think it's better yeah i'm fine with that what's uh volume 333 is oh no the time when kitty and Ileana fight monsters on a monster island is better than this that's at 274 yeah it's probably better than a song of mourning, a cry of joy. I would agree with that. The Threnody story. Yeah. So this is going to. This would be our new two seventy five. It would be uh, our new two seventy five is Uncanny X Men two hundred four Nightcrawler versus Arcade. Nice. All right. So um, you said before that this episode is actually, even though we just gave some bonus content there, this is a Daredevil themed episode. What the heck does Daredevil have to do with the X Men? I I don't think they well, cross you, over well, that you much. See, he, he's they don't, which made this fun. <laughs> but you do have to understand that uh, Matt Murdock, the Daredevil, is a Marvel character. <laughs> Um, and the X-Men were very popular in the 80s, and they have crossed over with Marvel characters many times since. Yeah. Uh, it it happened to be that in the 80s, uh, Daredevil and X-Men and Thor were kind of the best they ever were. <laughs> All at the same time, kind of. Absolutely. And uh, this first arc that we're going to talk about is actually a Daredevil arc, but it uh, features a guest appearance from Wolverine and the first appearance of uh, a pretty prominent X-Men villain and Wolverine villain, Lady Deathstrike. Yeah, Yuriko is in this, though not in her Lady Deathstrike form. That doesn't come until later, Mm -hmm. until uh, the Wounded Wolf story. Uh, and we're doing this because this story was requested by Marty. Uh, Marty went over to patreon.com slash, I wanted to say Battle of the Atom, but no, it's ComicsXF. Uh, went over to patreon.com slash ComicsXF, uh, reached deep into his heart and in his pocketbook, and uh, tossed a couple of coins in our coffers uh, just so we would talk about Daredevil 196 to 199. Uh if you want to be like Marty and get a story on this list, even a weird one where we do an episode about stories we likely would not have talked about <laughs> uh, like this, uh, go on over. There's other reward tiers too. And if you don't want to give us like monies for stories, you can give us money for other things or for nothing at all. And it'll all go towards a really cool comic site called comics XF. Well, you say that they, and all the writers. Yes. And uh, thanks for anybody who's uh, helping out the site. Um, you say that this this isn't something we'd normally talk about, but it has a lot of crossover. Uh, the first issue is um, Wolverine uh, guest starring with Daredevil, and they're both very interested in what is going on around Bullseye, 
Bullseye has been hospitalized. Uh, he's para. Yeah, yeah. We need to talk about. You know why Bullseye is hospitalized, right? Well, yes. Be, isn't it because Daredevil uh, had the opportunity to kill him and didn't, but then he was still like mortally wounded, right? Isn't that what happened? He had the opportunity to save him. Uh, is more like it. So at the end of Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, which was, uh, you know, that ended in February. This came out in uh, July, mm-hmm. or was that was published in February of '83. This was came out in July of '83. Uh, it's a story about how it, you may you may know this, Adam. You you know how uh, you know how Bullseye. Uh, well, let let me take this. Okay, back. you know. Uh, you know Daredevil's girlfriend, Electra Nachios? Yes. She's she's an assassin, and she wears red, and she has size. Yep. Well, she's good, but baby, Bullseye, he's magic. <laughs> uh, and he kind of he kind of stabbed her pretty good. Yes. She died. Mm. She gets better later. Don't worry about it. Um, but Daredevil didn't take that well. Um, it was the start of a truly comical string of love interests of his getting brutally murdered. Like, it's not funny in the fact that fridging is a boring and overused trope uh, that has existed to, you know, diminish the role of women in especially genre stories like this. It is funny when you take Matt Murdock as living one discreet life and this happening that many times constantly. Yeah, yeah, you would hope to stay as far away from this person as possible <laughs> because of his track record. Anyway, he got very mad at he got very mad at Bullseye and uh, said Bullseye could uh, he could save Bullseye from an opportunity, and he chose to let Bullseye fall off of like a telephone line or something. Right, and Bullseye broke his back. Daredevil went to the hospital with him, had a gun, and was going to play roulette with him. Uh, just see, like, one of us is not getting out of this bullseye. And then uh, Daredevil just kind of leaves and cries, and he's very sad. And it's a it's a, it's a, a good issue. Everything else about Frank Miller aside, like, and again, rightful criticism of Frank Miller for all the very bad racism he has done. And misogyny and all that other stuff. That, I- that issue works. So Denny O'Neill then comes in a few a few issues later, and he's got to follow up because that was a popular story and people want to know what happened to Bullseye because he's not dead. Right. Uh, so Denny O'Neill writes this. Klaus Jensen is the penciler and inker on the first issue. Uh, Christy Shealy does the colors. Uh, the second issue, uh, well, Klaus Jensen and Larry Hama uh, does some assists on it. I believe he does some breakdowns. Yeah, Larry Hama doing some breakdowns here. That's pretty interesting. I, Lethal I, Larry Hama. Man, we'll talk more about Hama what I'm, in a little bit. I'm excited about this. What I'm guessing, since this was during Hama's editorial time, mm-hmm. they knew Larry could draw and they knew Klaus was behind. So they said, <laughs> Larry, can you break down this issue for Klaus Jensen and then let him do finishes? And he said, yeah, sure. Freaking looks amazing. It's It's great. Uh, but I, you know, Larry Hama actually gets special credits in like a handful of these. I think as essentially as a consultant uh, because this is a story about Japan, and well, we'll talk about they, that. <laughs> it sure is something. Yeah, uh, 
Larry Hama and William Johnson get pencils on the second issue here uh, with Hama Johnson. And uh, in his debut, mm-hmm. Mike Mignola, uh, he's in this one. That was weird. Uh, William Johnson and Danny Bulanati uh, do the third issue here. Uh, and the fourth issue uh, with Bob Sharon doing the colors on that last one. So a wild creative team, a wild amount of stuff going on. And Wolverine is also here. Right. So um, the basic premise of this arc is that there is a, a Japanese supervillain by the name of Lord Dark Wind. Uh, kind of looks like the 80s Cobra Commander with the the like towel over his head. Um he doesn't not look like Cobra Commander. <laughs> he which really does. Larry Hama. When, when, when was Cobra Commander invented? Uh, well, it, uh, let's see. When is this? The 1983. 1983. 1982. Ooh. Okay, so no. Hama, Hama, Hama had already made Cobra Commander at this point. That's pretty wild. Um, well, yeah, Hama yeah, Cobra did, Commander, nineteen eighty-two. Well, I guess Hama didn't make him as much as a toy design, but yes. yeah. Well, and and in fairness, there are tons of villains, um, you know, who use the technique of just throwing a towel or a, a blanket over their head as, you know, some some easy way to, to you know, disguise their face. Um, so that's not that weird. Anyway, what's important here is that Lord Darkwind has a very um, I would say kind of complicated and also kind of stupid plan. Um, now, Lord Darkwing, uh, Darkwing, like Darkwing Duck, uh, Lord Darkwind, uh, a.k.a. Kenji Oyama, is kind of the person who invented adamantium bonding, right? Um, yes, yes, which is how Wolverine is involved here. He's like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's we'll- one of the guys that gave me this medal. Uh, is around right. and I kind of want to I kind of want to deal with that. Also, they might be giving Bullseye some of this metal. That sounds bad. Yeah. So Wolverine's involvement stops as soon as Bullseye is abducted by this group and brought to Japan so that he can be like metal metallically like reconfigured so he can go give him a new spine, really. Yes. That's that's what Bullseye needs is a spine. <laughs> metal spine. Uh and then Lord Darkwing is going to bring wants Bullseye to go back to the United States and assassinate somebody, and that's just very convoluted. But it does give Dark uh, Daredevil an excuse to go to Japan and meet uh, Yuriko, um, not to be confused with Yukio. And this Yuriko does not look anything like Lady Deathstrike whatsoever. She's just a girl with um, a, 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 like a kanji carved into her face. And, um, which Lord Darkwind did to all of his children for honor based reasons, (laughs) I guess, which is, which is again, the worst and most stereotypical writing of Japan, much less, uh, something that gets applied to a lot of Asian cultures, uh, which are wild and varied. Uh, and it's kind of, this book is so 1983 with oh, its yeah. uh, depiction of Japan. Like, it's when people are realizing that, well, darn it, the Japanese can manufacture stuff. 
Right. They're like amazed and, by the and, high speed train, right? Well, frankly, have you seen our our rail transit system in the oh. US? I would still be amazed by a 1980s Japanese yeah, bullet train. Probably. Yeah. Um, so you're absolutely right. The depiction of uh, the the Japanese people, like the very first thing that happens to Daredevil when he gets off the boat is he gets mugged by a bunch of like Japanese thugs um, that have nothing really, I think, to do with Lord Darkwind. Um, later, Daredevil is able to single handedly just defeat these like samurai warriors that have been training their entire lives to, to stealthily. Daredevil does wear... <laughs> Daredevil does wear like an action figure samurai variant of his costume that Lady Deathstrike gives him Yuriko at the time. Yeah. Gives him it's weird. Uh I don't know. There's I'm not the right person equipped, but there's some stuff that doesn't feel great about this issue. No, it's uh, very clearly of an era and it is, you know, you, you're talking about Hama being sort of like a, a person who, you know, I maybe... Think, I think Hama is doing damage control. I think right. Larry Hama is like, this would be the worst thing you could... Can you, Denny, can you please... No, I... Denny, don't. Come on. Fine, that's fine. Give him, give him ninja weapons, whatever. I yeah. like ninja weapons. I'm Larry Hama. I love ninja weapons, but still... <laughs> Yeah, and of course, uh, because of because of Miller, we also we already had ninjas, um, you know, in a variety of different martial arts stuff come into Daredevil before. Um, you know, I the artwork here is really cool with Klaus Jansen in the beginning. Um, I don't think it's particularly good. The Mignola issue in particular is pretty rough, um, where he's doing inks. Um, the rest of it's fine. Well, he's it, doing some inks. It's that that's an issue that just has so many different people working on it. Right. Yeah, and and this stuff just looks kind of like house style. Um, I think if you're looking to get a better picture of the origin of Lady Lady Deathstrike, you should definitely check this out. Um, is it like the most classic Daredevil arc you're ever going to read? No, uh, absolutely not. It's kind of silly, and you could probably, if you are more of a Daredevil fan, pick it up uh, after this when Bullseye returns. Um, in what issue 200 i believe so that's probably yeah when it gets... i didn't read 200 no because it's not you... part of this story bullseye decides he's not going to do the assassination because he hasn't been paid anything um which Jeez, i do how... love that about bullseye yeah i do love that about bullseye he's like no <laughs> no yeah. give me I ain't money anybody. or or he's gonna get cloned and driven crazy by religious fervor and uh murder people because of that and that's also interesting that's not yeah. a good story though no 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 that's that's still to come um so you know i love daredevil i enjoyed reading this uh love daredevil but is it like up to par with the the best of daredevil no probably not um no, but if you're no. interested I'm, I'm a guy who in the last year has read uh every prominent daredevil run uh up until i read through the wade stuff and then i took a break and i just eat I don't. I don't want to reread the Charles Soule Daredevil run right now. It just mm. doesn't feel good. I feel like I've got like a good working knowledge of Daredevil of the old Hornhead. I love Daredevil. This is this ain't that great. Love Daredevil. This, this is <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. I do like how Wolverine is written in this, though. I'll say that. Oh yeah, no, he's he's great. He's gritty. Um, it's it's like a classic Wolverine guest appearance, right? You know, he's chomping it's down exactly, on us. Exactly. 
It is the most Denny O'Neill is riding Wolverine <laughs> that it could possibly be. And hey, Denny O'Neill could ride a pretty good Wolverine. Like that shouldn't shock anybody. No, no, it's it's pretty fun. All right, so definitely some some things to you know to like about this, but it's obviously not like the best thing in the world. So I'm looking a little bit lower on the list here. Um, how do we? Th- feel about it i know it's you know our our bonus content today but how do you feel about it compared to what we we ranked before uh uncanny two that nightcrawler story is way better that nightcrawler story is way better yeah i think so too so i'm starting to go down into the 300s here we have Um, one daredevil story on the list we already here's our comparison we we have one daredevil story on the list already that is number 390 the hunt for wolverine weapon lost Hmm. I think this is better than that. I think this is better than Weapon Lost. Yeah, I, I'll give it that. But, so, okay, but. 378 is the first appearance of Gambit, uh, mm. the, that weird story that just kind of ends. Yep, yep. I think this is better than that, but I also think, like, at 339 is ROM Hybrid, uh, and I think that ROM Space Knight is better than this. Oh, I think yeah. the saga of... Chris Star the Crystal Warrior was better than this, that one issue. And that's at 343. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, looking up the list. Uh, I do think this is better than at 363 uh, Apocalypse War from Extraordinary X-Men. But you've got highlighted Death of X at 357. I think Death of X is better than Death this. Death of X is better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 360... Last last time we did that, X Men Hellfire Nimrod stuff is better than this. Um, I would agree. Probably, it X Corp. This is probably better than X Corp's core. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, I would agree. So that would make this our new three sixty one. It would make this our new three sixty one. Uh, it's Daredevil. 196 to 199, Lord Darkwind. Kind of sounds like he's like farting or something. I don't don't know. Um, I don't, listen, I don't know what the Dark Winds are. uh, I don't know. Saying. I don't know. Evil, evil tubes. We've got, we've. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to, we're going to continue our, our daredevil-y adjacent crossovers. Mm -hmm. Fun fact. Daredevil will no longer appear in this Daredevil episode. No, but some of the other characters from the Daredevil uh, world will. And uh, to to uh, we're going to a very strange place right now. This is like pr- right right before onslaught, and this is Feral Wolverine, uh, Wolverine one hundred two to one hundred three. And uh, uh, yeah, who, who do we got here? We've got Hama writing. Lethal Larry Hama's writing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 202 has Adam Kubert and Dan Green and Joe Rosas. Yep. Uh, and 203's got Val Samakis, Chad Hunt, uh, Joe Rosas with uh, Malibu Colors doing some work there. Yes. Um, okay. So, okay. We've talked about how Wolverine lost his nose for a little bit. Yes. Because, uh, was it, it was, oh, who was Apocalypse's kid? It was Genesis. Yeah, it was Genesis, but not that one, but not not Apocalypse's real no. kid. Or not not any of Apocalypse's real kids. No, no, no. Not his clone and not his wife. Right. The other Genesis. <laughs> right. <laughs> stole stole 
the adamantium, right? Or what? What did Cable's he do? Cable's kid. He tried Cable's... to put ciphers. He, Adam. He put what? cipher in it. He put cyber in a tube, and ate everything but the but the metal right. off of him, and then tried to put that metal into Wolverine, and it didn't so that work. Wolverine had metal again, and it didn't work, and Wolverine devolved into feral Wolverine. Uh, because Larry Hama had been riding Wolverine for so many years now and was running out of steam. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, I believe we saw this in uh, some panels in the, uh, what is it, Wolverine 100. Um, Stick, yep. for some reason, uh, who is Daredevil's uh, trainer. Mentor. The, his mentor, yep. the person that kind of like got him into ninja shape. His Yoda. Yeah, his Yoda uh, has assigned Elektra to go and like rescue Wolverine from his feral state, and um, like we said, Elektra will be fine. She's fine now. <laughs> Always is fine. Doesn't matter how many times she dies or or resurrected by I, the hand or whatever. You know, I was about to say I have no idea what Elektra is doing now, but no, I know exactly what she's doing right now. She's being Daredevil. It rules. It's awesome. I am loving the uh, Zdarsky run. Um, Matt is also being Daredevil right now, but he's in prison, not as Matt Murdock, but as Daredevil. He is now king of prison. Uh, he he wears a prison jumpsuit with an orange matching Daredevil mask. Because <laughs> he won't take the mask off. I love it. Um, I because, also... Because yeah. Daredevil's in prison. <laughs> right, right. Because he needs to pay for his crimes. Um, it's such an interesting setup. I, I do love that book. Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed issue 102 here. 103 is weird. It's uh, Elektra just doing a training session with uh, Feral Wolverine on the top of one of the World Trade Centers, um, which I guess they rebuilt after Juggernaut knocked one of the towers over. Um, and that yeah, issues... but not that time that Doom was sad about it. No, that obviously is before the actual real horrific event. Um, but that issue is just not great like it's it's bland it's just wolverine and electra kind of like going back and forth for the whole issue and it's not interesting 102 pretty interesting technique that hama uses here he basically tells a silent story of wolverine on the streets of what where is this salem or, or wherever new york. new york and um while we have electra telling this very interesting story of uh talk about a mentor uh someone this this person that she thought she knew and then learned more about um in uh greece growing up and i gotta say hama's writing here pretty top notch i was like very sucked into Electra's story now if you're a wolverine reader yeah. you may not have realized who it was until the very end of the book but if you know it's Electra from the jump I think it's pretty interesting. It works really well. I think it's a story about a, a man who was her gardener at her father's estate, Nate Stavros. He was a kind uh, gentleman who had put violence behind him. Uh, but his father... His father knew... Uh, or her father knew, excuse me, that Stavros killed a lot of Nazis in World War II. Mm-hmm. He killed a lot of Nazis in World War II, and he was good. He was good at it. But even if 
They are terrible, horrible Nazis. Uh, a life of violence is very difficult for a person. Um, so he wanted to spend his life growing and gardening. Uh, and he helped teach Electra how to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. Now, that is paired with this silent story of Feral Wolverine being mistaken for a bum at first, uh, then um, getting involved in this drug deal that goes wrong with a kid that, you know, his mom assumes is just sleeping but is actually out on the streets um, working with a drug dealer. And it it's this weird sort of juxtaposition between these two things. I think Hubert's art really works well here, even though the feral Wolverine, like, just looks freaking weird, um, you know? But the the... The story that's being told by Elektra, I think, is such interesting writing that, you know, you might be able to give a pass for the clunky sort of drug deal gone wrong story that's going on in the art. I I don't know. I I still really enjoyed this issue. Yeah, it's a good it's a good prose Elektra story on top of a story about Wolverine. Uh, It's not even that's it's not even an Elektra story. It's just like. Hama has a good short story he wanted to write, and yeah. he also was still writing Wolverine. Yeah, it it, it feels like a, a fable or a myth, and yet at the same time you're getting this, uh, you know, art showcase for Cubert to save, you know, for Wolverine to save this kid. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Now, that second issue is not good. Um, and, of course, right after this, it's you have to It's just wild. Speak- yeah, you have to squeeze Feral Wolverine into the Onslaught crossover, and it's just absolutely bonkers. Um, and this this phase of the character does not last particularly long, because they even by the by one o three, he's talking in complete sentences, just in a different font. So it's like the the one thing about this phase of the character that happens shortly afterwards. Is when Wolverine uh, gets a little bit of his nose back, but instead starts running around with a blue bandana on his head. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which kind of rules, actually. I I kind of like that design, but I also like almost every bandana Age of Apocalypse design because <laughs> I'm a broken man. It's very 90s. So, I I don't know. I'm, I'm at a little bit of odds here as to where to put this on the list, because if we were just talking about 102, I'd be like, oh, this is actually pretty good. But 103 is not. So I don't know. I'm a little torn here about where this should go. 102 is also not like great. It's it's not a great comic. It's it's a great it's a great. I don't know, it's a lot of good caption boxes unrelated to a lot of stuff, except for with the general theme of man struggling with violence. Right. No, I, I'd agree. Um, I thought it was interesting enough that, like, I, you know, might want to track the floppy down at some point. Because it, it just, it's a unique issue. You know, it's not 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 your normal sure. comic book. Um, all right, so... Duh, duh, duh. Um, yeah, it's tough because, like... I don't think if we're taking both of these issues together that this is as good as either of the stories we've talked about so far. I don't think it's as good as that Daredevil arc. And I, I, I don't think it's as good as the uh, Uncanny 204 either. Okay, well, let's start with what's right above or right before it. Uh, Wolverine 100, uh, Furnace of His Mind, Anvil of His Soul. Mm. That is all the way down. 
at 480. I'm going to say I think that based on the quality of the first issue that this is better than that. But it's not by much. Is it better than Reign of Terra? Yeah. That's a 440. It's better um, than Reign of Terra. Oh, okay, okay. It's not better than Wildcats X-Men at 435. No, it is not. Um, but I would say it's probably better than Days of Future Present. Um, it's not better than an Age Undreamed of. It's not better than Excalibur 31. No. With the fake Krakoa, or Krakoa's kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'll... Uh, and Days of Future Present does have that Art Adams issue, but it's pretty terrible as yeah, a story. Yeah, no, actually, it is, but, 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 mm. I think that one Art Adams issue's art is better than Larry Hama's dialogue, or Larry Hama's captions in one issue of this. All right, so this is going I, to be... I think it's 440. All right, I'm 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 with you. Always, I always go in favor of Art Adams, so... Okay. It's a, it's a good... Listen... A Hubert's a good call too, but Art Adams is Art Adams. That that is very true. Um, now, just as a side note, neither of those uh, that Daredevil arc nor those issues of Wolverine are on Marvel Unlimited right now, which is a little yeah. weird. Really you know? annoying. Yeah, I get you know, it. They, you know what is on they uh, Marvel have Unlimited? Other priorities. Yeah, let's um, talk about the priorities. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean this this. I understand how this was on Marvel Unlimited. It was already digitized. It was very easy to drop in. They just set up the uh, files at the same time as they set up Comixology and said, now put push this out on this date. Uh, this is from 2018. It is a three-part story arc. It's one of those re- weird things where it's like... It's like an annual crossover, mm-hmm. but they aren't calling them annuals. Nope. And it's called Typhoid Fever. Yeah. Typhoid Fever. It's a Typhoid It's a Typhoid Mary story, and a weird one. Uh it's written by Clay McLeod Chapman. Uh and it's three parts, a Spider-Man issue, an X-Men issue, and an Iron Fist issue. Daredevil does not appear in this. Iron Fist, Adam, do you know why Iron Fist is in this? I'm just guessing cuz it was around the time of the the Netflix show. Is that why? Yes, in, in something that I know none of us have watched because we love ourselves, uh, the season two villain for Iron Fist was Typhoid Mary. Right. Yeah. I've not watched it. I've not, I not watched it. Watch Maybe either season. I, I have heard that season two of Iron Fist is better than season one of Iron Fist. And you know what? <laughs> That's a sliding okay? scale. People. I believe that. <laughs> That's not. That's not a... Uh... <laughs> That's not a scale I really want to learn about. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, no. these these books are... Well, before we judge the books, who is Typhoid Mary? We should probably just like give a brief synopsis of who she is. She's a classic villain created by Anne Nascenti and John Romina Jr. She's, she's such an Anne Nascenti villain to the point that I'm not sure how many people who aren't Anne Nascenti uh, should be writing... Typhoid Mary. I um, 100% agree. And there are very few Typhoid Mary stories outside of the Nocenti run that I am particularly fond of because I don't think people quite I, understand what to do with her. Just again. So I did, I did a big daredevil read mm-hmm. recently. Bendis uses her. Yep. And 
he uses her to check off the box that Typhoid marries there. Uh, and he doesn't use her particularly well. Uh, Brubaker, I don't recall him using her. Uh, she's, I think she's in Shadowland. Yeah, she is. She's in Shadowland, but again, it sucks. Uh, and that's like it yeah. until the Zadarsky run. I like what Zadarsky is doing. Her. I'm, I am not as hot on the Zadarsky run as you are. We've had this conversation off air a ton of times. Guys, we talk about other things than X-Men. We talk <laughs> about true. other Marvel comics sometimes. It's a wild friendship we have. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as hot on it as you are, but like I I see it. I think it's an interesting dynamic that she has with Kingpin. That's what I like. Uh, but we'll see. It's it's just not my favorite. Uh, and I don't... She, she has... Uh, Disassociative Identity Disorder, and by Disassociative Identity Disorder, I mean fictional Disassociative Identity Disorder, where it's someone has multiple personalities, and that's all. Right. It's it's not dissimilar from, like, Legion, in that we have this super-powered person, and, you know, uh, has... Or Moon Knight when he's written poorly. Right. Like, quote-unquote schizo, right? Um, and where we're at here, in uh, Typhoid Fever in this three-part crossover is that typhoid Mary um, has been in uh, a mental hospital. Um, there is a doctor that's been trying to, to help her. Um, and what he ends up doing is pairing her with a random character that I had kind of forgotten about um, is a Such character a named amp role. that we met in uh, Cena Grace's Iceman, um, which I had kind of forgotten about. And I think most readers... What a will... wild, wild pull from that series. Yeah, I mean, when we get to the, the X-Men and they're like, we've been looking for this kid. What? You were? <laughs> okay. Um, Listen, there's a lot of mutants. The X-Men can't do... They can't do it all. No. Um, so AMP is amplifying Typhoid Mary's uh, pyrokinetic and telekinetic abilities so that if anybody gets close to her... They suddenly are transported onto the set of uh, the soap opera that Mary used to be on called Lovers and Strangers. And so you get these cutaway sequences of superheroes sort of being fooled into this. And a whole lot of nothing happens for three issues. Um, And we got to talk about the art because we go from some, some, okay, you know, some pretty good art and spider-man i think is okay i think the the art in the iron man is fine the x-men issue iron is Fist. what did i say iron man you did don't yeah. worry they always get confused yeah sorry about that um iron fist art's pretty pretty good uh the x-men issue probably some of the worst art i have seen on a marvel comic in ages I mean, Will Robson is a very stylized artist. He does he does the X Men one. Uh, Stefano Landini uh, does the Spider Man one, and uh, Paolo Villanelli does the Iron Fist one. Will Robson is an incredibly stylized artist. There's times where I have thought that the work their work worked pretty decently. Uh, they did uh, Great Lakes Avengers, uh, the recent-ish. I say recent. Oh, my gosh. That was 2016 when they did that with <laughs> Zach Gorman. Uh, 
that I thought the art worked there because it was a cartoony, exaggerated thing, and that's his style. He has, like, he's got a weird, exaggerated style, and then it's also with the super fat, uh, like, uh, what's his name? Uh, he did Silver Surfer, uh, Black. He did, uh, uh, Ghost Rider, the Card Boy. Uh, he did Luther, Legacy of Luther, Tradmore. Ah, okay. He's got like those fat Tradmore lines. Um, he strikes me. And it, it works on Spider Ham, and it works on this, and it it does not work on this because no. this is a more serious story. Yeah, this is clearly someone who grew up uh, loving Todd McFarlane and um, trying to mimic. Uh, the things that Todd McFarlane does with faces and body language. Um, it, it does not work here. Um, you know, I, I just it pulled It doesn't up. work here. It, it like, there was, there was a future foundation book that uh, came out in 2019. Uh, that was Jeremy Whitley and Will Robson. And that book had a lot of issues. One of the issues was the art it was really mm. atrocious and a bad fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that's really like weird about the the x-men issue is that will robson's art is paired with um de danilo s beruth or beruth um so when Mm -hmm. they go into the dream sequences the the soap opera fantasy sequences um the art switches but at the end of the issue it switches again for no reason they're not in a fantasy sequence so like even the the well that that reason is called scheduling yeah well, and each of these is slightly oversized uh, to a certain extent. These aren't just twenty-two pagers. Um, They're four ninety-nine dollar Marvel comics, not right. three ninety-nine dollar Marvel comics. But nothing happens. <coughs> nothing happens. The content of this story is Typhoid Mary attacks the High Line, and they stop her, and then she ends it's... up in a in a what in a church at the end of this, which is, I guess where Zadarsky kind of picks up. Right. Cause she like, yeah, it's, it's weird. Chapman. Chapman opens this with people talk with, with typhoid Mary talking about how men writing soap operas don't understand women and don't understand how to write women. And a big kind of soapboxy thing on that. And he's not wrong, but also what a wild thing as a dude to be writing about a female character and say, no, all these men do it wrong. I'm going to do it right. I understand that the words of a of a character are not the exact thoughts and feelings of an artist, but we all know when sometimes uh, things, things feel like they're a little more pointed than uh, they are, especially when it's the uh, text or the subtext the story is also trying to get across. Yeah. Um, it's not that the, uh, what are the sort of like trick of the soap opera cutaways is, is a bad one. Uh, it's just that it's not interesting. And, um, it's not, they don't do, they don't, the thing about soap operas, there are two things. One, they are dirt cheap to make. Right. That's the reason why they were able to be daily or, you know, a low column, a low column B. They are daily because they are cheap to make. They are cheap to make because they are daily. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they are mostly the same sets, the same people having a conversation, low action by design. Mm -hmm. They are, they are, 
They are character pieces. Uh, but we don't we don't spend enough time with any individual characters to care about them. We know that this is an alternate reality. So even if there's weird things like you remember the time how right here at this time there was a lot of push about maybe Gene and Bishop would be a couple, and then they did in Age of X Men, and that gets brought up here. But then Bishop's also cheating on Gene with Storm or Storm with Gene, and that makes it messier and gross and falling into some tropes that aren't great. And it's like. It just it doesn't do anything interesting with the premise, and also it's kind of a flimsy premise because these are superhero stories, and superhero stories are especially X Men also have a lot of soap opera e elements and the weird the weird like high concept character drama. Uh, so it's not being incredibly additive. It's just a superhero story without the superhero parts. Yeah, and and the choice of the the characters that are included here are just bizarre. You know, there is no real reason that Spider-Man, Iron Fist, and, you know, X-Men Red or, or some version of that team are, are here. Um, it's just weird. And I think that the writing of the characters is not really particularly strong either. You don't get a, a, a strong idea of this being Spider-Man or Jean Grey. Um, you know, I, I, his Iron Fist is okay, but it, it's all just very bland. So um, I would highly recommend people skip this one i don't think it's very good in fact with this the x-men issue in particular i think it's pretty dang bad yeah chapman is a writer that is getting a lot of play in the spider-man office right now uh did a series uh called scream curse of carnage which i didn't read because it was because scream this is the second scream okay uh Who's a who's a Venom spinoff with the symbiote from a Carnage spinoff? Scream, uh, all of which is a Spider-Man spinoff, and it's like y'all. I like Spider-Man. This is too far removed for me. Like I don't I don't even like Venom that much. You cannot push that many levels deep of symbiotes and me still be like that invested <laughs> in it from a character standpoint. Uh, he did an Iron Fist story sure. where Iron Fist lost his hands, which was. Weird, and I don't mean like he broke him like Doctor Strange. Like he lost his physical hands for a while. Just not oh, my wow. not my jam. He does a lot of symbiote stuff. Probably a nice guy. Uh, just okay. This this is he's not a writer that I see on a book, and I'm very excited about. No, so um, I'm gonna be bold here. I think we're down in the five hundreds um, because there's not much. Well, what's five hundred at this juncture? Phoenix uh, End, yeah, this is worse than Phoenix End Song. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm just looking down this list, and I think Eve of Destruction is better than this. Um, uh, that's right. We are right there. Um, mm, Adam, Adam, would you rather read this or Axis? Okay, there's not much I would... See, uh, hold on. I, I get it. I get it. This is still... Like, this is... I would say this I'm is gonna say this pretty is, close to like this is worse than Axis. Here's why. Here's why. I'm listening, but this is that's a wild sentence. You know I hate Axis. It's it's one of my if not my least favorite, one of my least favorite Marvel crossovers of all time, right? However, there is actually some pretty okay art in there, right? Like there's 
There's some No, nice... I actually I actually disagree with that. I think Axis is an incredible rush job of art, and the only person who ends up looking good is Jim Chung in the last issue. Okay. I don't know. That yeah, I know we the, talked about that. Yeah, the Qbert stuff is pretty it's terrible in that too. So the U stuff is pretty rushed. The uh, uh the the Dodson's issue is a freaking mess. Alright, well they, Okay, you've you've sold me. Alright, so we'll put this above axis, but not it can't go much higher. You know what I mean? It's not much higher. I think I think at 509 right now, we have Sacred Vows from Uncanny X-Men. That's Polaris and Havoc's Bad Wedding. Oh, that one's rough. I would say that this is better than their Bad Wedding, but worse than the unofficial, <laughs> official, non-canonical prequel tie-in to X-Men Legends 2 Rise of Apocalypse. I love that. All right, so this is going to be our new 509. Yeah, I mean, it kind of has to. Our new 509 is Typhoid Fever. Oh, man, skip that one. That's no good. I, y'all go read go read the Anacenti John Romita Jr. Daredevil. It. I'm collecting the floppies. I can't explain right now. it. Yeah, I'm putting the run together. I'm really excited uh, about it. Well, folks, that was a bonus sized episode of <laughs> our Daredevil podcast. Uh, the Hornheaders. Uh, if you wanna if you wanna support us, just go on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, just like Marty did. Thank you, Marty. Uh, we truly appreciate your patronage. Uh, it keeps ComicsXF running. Uh, we've had some really great stuff recently. Uh, there's some really cool interviews, good pieces. We it's good. My mind's blanking on what we have going on right now, so I'm gonna skip that. Adam, what's going on with you? <laughs> Guys, you can always follow me. On Twitter at Arthur Stacy and Zach, what do we got going on next week? Oh, beans! I closed it out. Adam, what do we have going on next week? <laughs> uh, next week we have an all Wolverine episode, and uh, let's just say that maybe he is not so happy with the state. Well, I mean, yeah, I get that. Wolverine's <laughs> an anarchist. He just he doesn't he doesn't trust the government. He's a strong libertarian man, uh, and he he believes he believes in you know being a real man, and he just doesn't think the state is doing it, and people who are relying on the state are his enemy. That that's what's happening, right? All you had to do, Zach, was say, "I hope you survived the experience," <laughs> and yet <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Take care. This is Valley. I hope you survived. Dang it, hold on, I can't. Get it!